From Content360, this is the state of client acquisition. Okay, so in this video, I want to make the case that side hustles are generally a big waste of time, very often at least, and why you should reframe how you view side hustles, the way you look at them. And that is away from something that you do on the side to your job and more towards a short to medium test experiment, testing out if something has legs and then you figure out a way how you can quit your job in order to do this thing full time. And this testing process, this validation process, that's what I'm going to be discussing here. Now, important caveat, this is really only for those among you who really want to be financially independent. If you don't want that and you simply just want to beef up your salary, then you can stop watching. This is not for you. I'm really aiming at people for whom the side hustle is a means to their economic independence, that they want to start a business, that they don't want to be dependent on a specific job, but that you want to actually build a business there. I have a friend who is on the side to his corporate job. He is uh, building a little e-commerce business. It adds some $40,000, $50,000 into his pocket on a yearly basis. He's perfectly happy with that. He does not want to scale it. I mean, he wouldn't probably mind, but the risk and the stress that comes along with Building a business is simply not for him. He's a family man, enjoys his spare time. And so running this side hustle as an e-commerce business, that is perfectly fine with him. And that's why my message is not directed at people like him, but more at people who see the side hustle as something that ultimately they want to use one day to quit their job over. Okay, so one main message that I have here for you is the value of focus. You will probably agree with me that the man who chases two rabbits catches none. And if you are working in a job and at the same time you are running your uh, side hustle, that this is most definitely not the best way to maximize your income. And that we defined is the main outcome here. That's what that's the one variable we want to optimize for. And so permanently running on two separate rails. One is your job that is making you money and the side hustle is just simply not optimal. Focus really matters a lot. I see how it compounds in my own business. The more I learn, and I'm working some 50, 60 hour weeks, the more I learn and actually the more hours I'm put in, putting into my business, it just compounds and it stacks on top of each other. If you don't have that, if you are just running whatever, 10, 15 hours, 20 hours, even of a side hustle, you are doing so much less and the lessons simply don't get aggregated as quickly. It's also in the rapidity, in the speed of the iteration where the value is. So you get better on all levels. I now see that how I'm getting better in all aspects of my business, going into marketing for myself, advising my clients on how to do their marketing and sales, even getting better on a psychological level. All of that how I treat my clients when I have some kind of like a psychological barrier, what we can do for our clients, all of those learnings get so much more compounded when I'm focusing on just one thing, on one business, way better than if I had to have a five, nine to five job on the side. Now, you might say that in, in, in a counter argument to this position is, you could say that if your side hustle is very similar to your current job, if you're effectively doing the same thing, 
then still the value gets compounded, right? So the focus element is there and you are benefiting from this. And that is true. It's definitely better than if you are an investment banker and your side hustle is that you're a yoga teacher, right? That's just zero benefits of cross-pollination there. But one of my clients, for example, he is a therapist and he runs a his own private, he has his private clients. And on the side, he's employed by an institution that employs therapists. And this is his side hustle so far. But right now we are working on doing this validation phase where we are going over a couple of weeks where we just want to see if one specific product package sells. And if that does happen, then he will gradually decrease his commitment to his employers. And that is the thing that is exactly what I advise, that your side hustle is not something that continues to trickle on on the side to your existing employment, but rather that you see it as this short-term experiment. Cool. Okay, so once we've established that, and if you disagree with me, that's fine, then probably you might not want to continue watching this. But uh, the main point here is that the very often people treat the side hustle idea as just something that keeps them from taking action. They just want to keep going and keep delaying that point where they take that necessary step in order to jump into the cold water. And it's just a shame. And I just don't like seeing that because I see so many people with a lot of potential who would so benefit from starting their business and really building a financial legacy for themselves and their family. They just don't do it because they're afraid. And the side hustle keeps them in this state of fear and I would even say mediocrity. Because again, unless you are doing exactly the same thing as my client, who is who's doing exactly the same work outside of his, of his main employment, then you are simply not getting better. And that's why I'm saying it's a recipe for mediocrity. Cool. So how do you validate a side hustle so that it becomes your real business one day. It's easy to say, yeah, just validate it. But what does that mean? Well, I'm going to give you a suggestion and you can see whether you are as risk-friendly as I am because my suggestion is a little bit like it's not very conservative. It's very like dynamic. And if you if you hit that one milestone, then you should quit your job. You may disagree with it. You may want to increase the numbers. But I say that you should get three friendly people who will become clients at market rates or one complete stranger. If you manage to sell to a complete stranger or to three people who you've known from before, I call them friendlies. So if you sell to three friendlies or to a stranger at market rates, important that you don't give big discounts, that they are really paying for something, that they are not doing you a favor. You definitely need to weed out the people who are willing to do you a favor. I mean, it's fine to take them and take the money and 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 do the work, but just don't count it as a piece of validation. If you get that, and of course, I'm talking here about B2B clients or anything that is high ticket, you would not get validation if you just happen to have a few people who buy a random, whatever, $20 product from you. But if you get validation at this level where three friendlies or one stranger buys your product at full price, I would say you're ready. It also depends. I have to correct myself there. It depends how much work it was to get them. If you have to approach a thousand people one-on-one -on -one and then only get one client, well, that's too little. That is not good enough. Then you need to keep working on your offer so that you get more. 
if you have a reasonably mainstream product or service, and that can be anything from, as in the case of my client therapy, or it would be marketing services or sales coaching or HR coaching, recruiting, whatever it is, as long as it's a reasonably mainstream value proposition, a mainstream offer, I would suggest that you should get at least one out of a hundred people, decision makers you approached, at least one out of 200. Okay, let's not get overboard. But if you approach 200 people and not even one of them is even willing to have a conversation with you and is even close to becoming a client, then you need to work on your offer. Maybe it's you in terms of your skills that you're bringing to the table, you're not credible enough, or your offer is not formulated in the right way, or you're relatively bad at selling yourself. All of those are things that can be overcome. But if you don't have that, then you have not found validation. So step number one of validation is that you formulate an offer. And that is a simple statement where you say, I help blank to solve problem X by doing Y. So very simple, very straightforward. What kind of problem are you solving for whom? And then the goal is that you get, let's say, 10 decision makers on a Zoom call or phone call and you ask them questions about their current problems, whatever you have that are, whatever they have that there are problems that are in your domain. You just ask them what problems these are and how they are currently solving them. And here I recommend a book called The Mum Test by a gentleman called Rob Fitzpatrick. And that book tells you about how you really uncover customer pain points. And the main message of the book, and I'm happy to share this here, but you should still get, get the book uh, in its entirety and read it. It's a really good read. The main message of the book is do not ask people for their opinion on what you plan to sell. Don't think that, oh, is there, do you see an, an in or do you see an opportunity here? But instead ask them what are the, what, what is the problem that you're facing look like and how are you dealing with it now? And if you realize that they're not currently dealing with it, that they're not really trying to solve it, that's one hint that this is not really a problem that's worth solving for them. So do consider always that, that there is a very strong element of looking at the past when you are interviewing them. You have to ask for the past problems and the solutions that they applied in order for you to find out if there is a business there. Personal story, this is one of my uh, kind of part of family lore now. I started a business called Dinner in 2012. And I, it was a recipe delivery service. I'm sure you've you've uh, seen and heard similar similar value propositions. And mine, however, was a little bit different because it was not subscription based. It was ad hoc. And I asked several people who were either friends or 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 even strangers whether this is something that they would buy. And many of them, seven out of ten, I remember, seven out of ten told me yes, they would absolutely buy it. And that led me to the conclusion that this is a great business, and I went into it. And then the whole business crashed and burned. I couldn't raise enough money to keep it uh, alive. And my client acquisition cost was way too high. I couldn't get uh, past or couldn't get the customer lifetime value above CAC. And so I had to close the business down. And that was mainly because I had not followed the rules of the mum test. So that's why I really recommend that you read that book. So once you get these 10 decision makers on Zoom, make sure you ask them these questions about the past. 
and not about their opinion on your service in the future. And if you sense that they do have a problem indeed that you could help them with, then tell them that, hey, this is something I could help you with. Would you be interested in working with me on this? And then listen to what they say. Because very often people, you know, just tell you, you know, elaborate on a problem that maybe is not as big as it seems. That's why the truth is in the money. If you ask them, so, okay, let's work on this. I can actually help you with it. I'm competent in this field. Let's do it. If they then give you all, give you excuses and so on, then you may not have a business there. So number one, formulate the offer. Number two, get the decision makers on Zoom and ask them about the problem. And then, but that sounds also abstract, right? How do you get them on Zoom? So what does that even mean? Well, I would say look in your, first of all, in your existing network. Who in your existing network fits the bill of a decision maker that you've decided? If you sell TikTok marketing, see if you have people in a reasonably senior position at companies. You sell TikTok marketing to e-commerce companies. Look if you find marketing people in e-commerce companies and you just get them on the phone. Not to pitch to them TikTok marketing. That is really key. You don't go into the conversation with, hey, I want to talk to you about how you can uh, grow your presence on TikTok. They might not say that. But if you say, hey, I have a business idea that I have. I wanted to discuss it with you. Would be great if I could get 15, 20 minutes of your time. If you do that with friendlies, I predict that you will get about 20% of people who will say yes. If you do that with strangers, you need to work a little bit harder. I would recommend there that you pick strangers who are active on LinkedIn or any other social network that you are active on and engage with their content a couple of times. Once they have acknowledged you, once they reply to your comments, then start a conversation and then ask them for 15, 20 minutes of their time. They are much more likely to say yes then. And with this approach, I believe that pretty much you will get 5% of strangers who you approach. They'll give you 15, 20 minutes of their time. So this is how you get strangers and or friendlies on Zoom. And uh, whoever does currently not have a solution for their problem, in this case, in this example case that I mentioned on uh, TikTok advertising, just simply make them an offer that you can help them. And there, it's fine if you if you just want to get it past the finish line. It's fine if your very first client, you give them a little bit of a discount. Or you say, normally I plan to sell this at this kind of day rate because you would be my first client in this. I'm going to offer you it at a discount and so on. It's fine if you want to do that. Just do not count them into your portfolio of three friendlies and one or and or one stranger because you do want to only count them when you have sold them at full price okay yeah and by the way none of this requires you to be public about this you can do this completely in a stealth way you can do this from your linkedin profile just approach people in this way and they still will see that you are working at another company but you are then simply deciding that they will see that obviously you are choosing to approach them incognito and they will respect that. A vast majority of people are respectful of this. Most people understand that side hustles get born this way, that businesses get born this way. Just try to avoid doing it with people who might have a connection to your boss if, if this is something that you worry about. And I don't know how it is in your company, whether you are contractually allowed to do this kind of stuff to check that first, of course. But that's common sense. Good.
And then let's say you get yourself a client and simply run the math. How much work did you have to do in order to get that client? Let's say it was a total aggregated 30 hours. That's approaches, emails, calls, and, and follow-ups and so on. If it took you 30 hours of work to get that one client, well, there you have a number to pin down. And if you're a little bit more conservative in this regard, if you don't want to jump in all the way, to simply look at are there possibilities that you could do this again and see if that number holds up. If you put another 30 hours in, will you get yourself another client? And with this, you now have a predictable client acquisition cost. And that is just run, running the math. At this point, you simply run the math. Does this pan out over the long run? And will this pan out? If you have two, three proof of concept that you, by investing 30 hours into client acquisition, you win yourself one client and you can do that. And that client is worth so much to you that you can get to replacement income within a couple of months. Then voila, you have your business, you have validation. And don't get discouraged. This may take you a year or two. This is not something that necessarily will take six months. In the case of my clients, it's going to happen in a couple of weeks because he's my client already has had uh, private clients. He's very confident. He's a very good LinkedIn presence. So that's not an issue for him. He's not starting at zero by no means. And that's why we can do this in a couple of weeks. We're now creating a product package that is priced the double than what he usually used to sell at. And he's going to be approaching people more proactively. Plus it's a coaching program. It's more of a program rather than just one-on-one -on -one sessions. So this is why we're tweaking it. We're approaching it from a more business development type of perspective. But this is now the test that we're running. But you, it might take you a, a year or two before you find that winning formula. And this is the key. See it as an experiment that you are running in order to validate that your side hustle has legs. I recommend that you don't treat your side hustle as something that is just running on the side to your existing employment. It's just not worth it because the focus will not be there. You will not be improving and you have giant opportunity cost if you are simply running this on the side to your business instead of, in, sorry, if you're on the side to your employment, if you are not investing into this as a, as a business, because let's say you're making, uh, like my client, 50 grand in uh, your job and you're getting another 40, 50 via your side hustle, you could be making so much more via the side hustle. You can build you can build systems, processes. You can deliver in a better way. You are missing out on hundreds of thousands of dollars every year if you see it as a continuous dripping along on the side to your employment. Cool. I hope this was useful. I see you in the next video. The State of Client Acquisition is a Content360 production. Music by Gavin Knox Grant. To sign up for alerts and to submit written and audio questions, go to stateofclientacquisition.com.